The Old Pilot's Plain Tales. Wrong Way, Ferguson. Buffalo, Wyoming is nestled in the foothills of the beautiful Bighorn Mountains and is conveniently located at the intersections of Interstates 25 and 90. Unfortunately for Lowell G. Ferguson, it is also inconveniently close to the town of Sheridan, just 35 miles up the road. Western Airlines Flight 44 left Los Angeles on July 31, 1979, to seven locations, including Las Vegas, Nevada, Denver, Colorado, and Sheridan, Wyoming. By the time the flight departed on the leg from Denver to Sheridan, it was some 35 minutes behind schedule. The original flight plan would have taken the aircraft from the Denver Air Route Traffic Control Center to the Crazy Woman Navigational Facility for an instrument landing in Sheridan. Shortly before reaching Crazy Woman, however, control of Flight 44 was transferred to Salt Lake Air Route Traffic Control Center. Visibility was unrestricted, and Salt Lake Center offered Flight 44 a direct clearance to Sheridan along Airway Victor 19, which passed directly over an airport in Buffalo, Wyoming. Flight 44 accepted the new plan in order to save time and fuel. Operating the Boeing 737 that night was Captain Ferguson on the radio with his first officer, Jane Bastiani. Neither Ferguson nor Bastiani had flown into Sheridan before, and I'm not sure what they talked about that night, but it certainly didn't cover a rather essential subject. Had either of them actually been to Sheridan before? The result was that they both believed the other had when in fact the airport was new to both of them. However, although Ferguson reviewed the navigational charts, he failed to notice that the Buffalo Airport was directly under the aircraft's flight path. At approximately 10pm, both Ferguson and Bastiani saw runway lights and commenced a visual approach to what they assumed was Sheridan Airport. Perhaps they were fatigued, or perhaps the captain assumed that James Bastiani knew what he was doing, but Ferguson did not use the available radio navigation aids to make a positive identification of the airport. During the approach, Ferguson maintained radio contact with the Sheridan Flight Service Station, Although the air trafficker controller in Sheridan informed Flight 44 that another aircraft was on final approach, neither Ferguson nor Bastiani inquired further when they were unable to see it. In addition, although the airport at Sheridan was equipped with visual approach slope indicator lights, Ferguson did not ask why the runway before him was not so lighted. In spite of the fact that Ferguson was, according to the Western Airlines Flight Operations Manual, under an obligation to land the aircraft himself, First Officer Bastiani landed the Boeing 737. 
It was not until the aircraft's landing gear nose wheel sank into the turn-off pad beyond the runway that Ferguson realised that he might have made a mistake and that Flight 44 had landed in Buffalo. The error was confirmed when the jeep that drove up to meet them bore Piper insignia rather than the expected Western Airlines logo. Other than sinking into the taxiway tarmac, a surface that was not equipped to handle the weight of an airliner, there was no damage done, and the 737 was soon flown out again from Buffalo's 4,500-foot runway. Not, however, by Ferguson and Bastiani, who had both been suspended. The Weekly World News, a publication that, according to its own assessment, is rooted in the creative success of over 30 years of supermarket tabloid publishing and has been the world's only reliable news source since 1979, covered the event under the headline Bamboozled Pilot Flies Into Cowtown History. It goes on to suggest that the captain didn't make a hit with Western Airlines brass when he landed a Boeing 737 at the wrong airport, but he's a hero in the tiny cow town he made famous. Apparently a cow puncher even wrote a poem to make sure that nobody forgot the day that wrong way Ferguson flew into Buffalo. It was titled Lowell's Last Landing, or Whoa, damn it, whoa! According to the paper's enthusiastic reporter, the little airstrip at Buffalo, which handled no commercial aircraft, was soon renamed Buffalo International Airport. Garris Grover told the news that it put our town on the map and gave us something really special to celebrate. Over in the next town, the folks sit outside at night, and if they see a car drive by with Minnesota license tags, that's a cause for celebration. The paper went on to describe the landing when it wrote that Ferguson, who carried on flying for Western, hadn't planned to become a Cowtown hero, but he soared to fame when he landed Flight 44 and its 94 befuddled passengers, some 35 miles short of their intended destination. The big goof-up upset Western Airlines and infuriated the Federal Aviation Administration. However, in Buffalo, which once saw the likes of Butch Cassidy and Buffalo Bill Cody, the townsfolk were delirious with joy and made Wrongway Ferguson a local hero. The humorous incident reminded old-timers of the day in July 1938, when Douglas... Wrongway Corrigan, took off from New York on a flight to California and landed in Ireland. In this true story, Corrigan, who helped build the aircraft that Lindbergh flew across the Atlantic, had wanted to repeat the successful flight. However, the Bureau of Air Commerce rejected his application to fly non-stop from New York to Ireland as it deemed his aircraft as unsound. Repeated attempts to get the required permissions failed, but he flew his Curtis Robin OX-5 monoplane to Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn anyway. Whilst officials were distracted by the imminent departure of Howard Hughes on a world tour, he refuelled his aircraft 
and filed a departure for California. Asking for permission to take off, he was told he could use any runway as long as he didn't depart to the west. At 5.15 in the morning, and with 230 gallons of fuel and 16 gallons of oil, he took off to the east and kept going. Corrigan claimed to have noticed his error after flying for about 26 hours. After around 10 hours, he had felt his feet go cold. The cockpit floor was awash with gasoline leaking from an unrepaired tank. He used a screwdriver to punch a hole through the cockpit floor so that the fuel would drain away on the side opposite the hot exhaust pipe, reducing the risk of a mid-air explosion. He had no radio and his compass was some 20 years old. However, he landed at Baldonnell Aerodrome, County Dublin on July the 18th after a 28-hour, 13-minute flight. His provisions had been just two chocolate bars and two boxes of figs. He was met in Ireland by the journalist H. Knickerbocker, who wrote of his flight, You may say that Corrigan's flight could not be compared to Lindbergh's in its sensational appeal as the first solo flight across the ocean. Yes, but in another way, the obscure little Irishman's flight was the more audacious of the two. Lindbergh had a plane specially constructed, the finest money could buy. He had lavish financial backing, friends to help him at every turn. Corrigan had nothing but his own ambition, courage and ability. His plane, a nine-year-old Curtis Robin, was the most wretched-looking jalopy. As I looked over it at the Dublin Aerodrome, I really marvelled that anyone should have been rash enough to even go in the air with it, much less try to fly the Atlantic. He built it, or rebuilt it, practically as a boy would build a scooter out of a soapbox and a pair of old roller skates. It looked it. The nose of the engine hood was a mass of patches soldered by Corrigan himself into a crazy quilt design. The door behind which Corrigan crouched for 28 hours was fastened together with a piece of baling wire. The reserve gasoline tanks put together by Corrigan left him so little room that he had to sit hunched forward with his knees cramped and not enough window space to see the ground when landing. Aviation officials took 600 words to list the regulations broken by Corrigan's flight in a telegram, a form of communication that, due to its cost, was usually kept brief. Despite the extent of Corrigan's illegality, he received only a mild punishment. His pilot's certificate was suspended for 14 days. He and his plane returned to New York on the steamship Manhattan and arrived on August the 4th, the last day of his suspension. His return was marked with great celebration. More people attended his Broadway ticker tape parade than had honoured Lindbergh after his triumph. To his dying day, Corrigan still maintained that he had flown the Atlantic by mistake.
The FAA treated Wrongway Ferguson a little more sternly as his licence was suspended for a full 60 days. Feeling that perhaps he had been hard done by, Ferguson did, however, appeal his suspension with the U.S. Court of Appeals Ninth Circuit in the case of Lowell G. Ferguson versus the National Transport Safety Board and Longhorn M. Bond, Administrator of the FAA. His case was that under the FAA NASA Aviation Safety Reporting Program, he was entitled to a waiver of punishment because his actions were inadvertent and not deliberate, and that his conduct was not reckless within the meaning of the FAA regulation. He lost on both counts. Ferguson was temporarily demoted because of his error and was sent for some retraining. However, of the incident, he said that he considered his demotion as the appropriate thing to do. This was a serious mistake, and as the captain, I was responsible. Despite Western Airlines, the courts, the FAA, and the NTSB's opinion, the people of Buffalo still thought of Ferguson as a hero. In the archives of the United Press International, we find that in 1981, Lowell Ferguson attended the town celebrations of his feat by landing at Sheridan as a passenger. He failed to attend the previous year's event under the advice of Western Airlines officials who apparently did not find the incident amusing at all. He was greeted by a crowd of over 500 with many wearing Wrong Way Ferguson t-shirts and the Buffalo High School marching band. Fearful that the real Ferguson would again have to decline to attend the celebration named in his honour, the Chamber of Commerce invited any people who could prove their names were Lowell Ferguson to attend the festivities as guests of honour. Five Lowell Fergusons from around the country accepted, and they all rode a fire engine together during Saturday's parade. Following his reception at the airport, Ferguson, the real one, his wife and two children were escorted to the various events planned around the celebration. Ferguson planned to participate in several of the events himself, including a softball game and a buffalo chip-throwing contest. After the event, Ferguson was quoted as saying, All the people of Buffalo treated me great. In this world of serious business, it's great to have some fun. I only hope that he was referring to the celebrations, and not the fact that he landed at the wrong airfield.